fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. We're back at it, man. It's been a few days. Welcome aboard. Thanks for hanging out with us. Happy post-Easter to you. Hopefully you had a great Easter celebration for those that celebrate that. Although the Orthodox, they celebrate it this week, correct? Is it this week or is it next week? I forget. It's coming up here relatively soon. So however you celebrate it, then welcome aboard. Great to have you. It's been a few days. We took some time off last week, but we're back gearing up. I got to remember how to do this thing. Are we doing all right? We ready to go? Joe Biden, how you feeling, buddy? You feel good? clear. I'm not going nuts. Making sure, making sure. Welcome into the program, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. It's always an honor to have you along for the ride today. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every day. As usual, we have plenty to talk about, especially with being gone for four days off the radio. So we have to play some catch up along with all the shenanigans going on today. We'll get to all that and more. Dr. Tobias Lee will try and get her on the program at the bottom of the hour. I have not gotten a confirmation from her, so I think we'll have her on the program. If not, it's okay. We have plenty to talk about. She's with the De Anza Community College as the, and I have to say this properly, she is the faculty director for the Office of Equity, Social Justice, and Multicultural Education. Whew, I said it! Pat myself on the back there. I was <laughs> I was able to rock that one. So we'll get Dr. Tobias Lee on the program at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the attempt from universities across the nation on how they're approaching the ending of segregation, racism, lack of inclusion. And it seems like today we're doing it in the sense of resegregating and the lack of inclusion and dividing people based on your equity value, which you all you know is that equity value based on what the government says or what the progressives say is if you check the marks on you're a minority, you're a certain gender, or you're a confused gender, or you're a certain skin color, or you're a certain sexual orientation, and therefore you have the kudos points and your points are now cooler than somebody else. And whoever has the most apparently is the ultra cool, super wild, wicked, wild, new, fabulous person of the day. So we'll get into all that and more coming up in just a little bit. First and foremost, hopefully you had a wonderful Easter. As you know, I took a few days off last week, Thursday and Friday, largely due to it was Good Friday anyway, so we would have been off already anyways. But with the death in the family that was very close to me, I've had a hard time for the last couple of weeks. I was able to make a, it was a very quick turnaround, but was able to make a quick trip there and back and visit uh, a few family members and do some really quality time with them. I drove on Thursday, I visited Friday, and then Friday night I drove back on a 14-hour trip. So it was very quick. I was exhausted and I slept most of the weekend, got to be honest, but it was very uh, it was very good for the mental health. It was able to help kind of process a lot of it and move forward. So it was a wonderful weekend. It was a wonderful trip. And thank you all for all the kind wishes that you have said on social media and otherwise. And hopefully you were able to enjoy your Easter weekend as well. During the time, however, Little Voice of Reason, man, she was able to enjoy just as much. She saw the new Super Mario movie, which I'm telling you, man, I, I've heard, I've heard... <laughs> That there was nothing but good things about that movie. So I'm excited to actually watch it. That was kind of her uh, f- um, splurge with Mrs. Voice of Reason, kind of some mommy-daughter time while I was gone, and she got to watch that. And when I talked to her on the phone, she was just in freak-out mode, man. Dad, yeah, best movie 
ever. So we have to watch Super Mario. I also know that John Wick 4 is out, which means John Wick 4 is probably going to be truly the best movie ever. But my nostalgia is coming out with the child in me as well with Super Mario movies. So got a lot to watch, got a lot to catch up on, and we'll get to some of that entertainment here in just a little bit. I hate to kind of start off the show on a negative note, but there's a lot of stuff going on today that's kind of breaking, so let's go ahead and jump into it, shall we? What's trending today? And as you know, it's really the political movement, the political messaging that's coming out after the shooting that happened in Louisville, Kentucky earlier today, leaving four individuals dead, five of them including the shooter, as he was a disgruntled worker at a bank who got let go from his job, didn't know how to handle the letting go of his job from what it sounds like. We're not going to mention its name on this program and has left four individuals dead with at least seven or eight in the hospital. This is the latest message from the mayor. And I want to thank all of the first responders, the, the brave and heroic men and women of LMPD, who thanks to their efforts, quickly responded to the emergency call. And as you just heard from Deputy Chief Humphrey, without a doubt, their actions saved lives. There will be a lot more information we are able to provide as the day goes on. But I want everyone in this city to know that notwithstanding tragedies like today, when multiple people are killed by gun violence, notwithstanding tragedies when individuals are killed by gun violence, our community will continue to come together. We will find ways to love and support one another and the families and friends who have been directly impacted by these acts of gun violence, and we will come together as a community to work to prevent these horrific acts of gun violence from continuing here and around the state. All right, there's a lot to break down from that uh, piece of audio, but I don't know if you heard the redundancy in what he was messaging here, which is the exact same message that we're going to get from Washington, D.C., and from Joe Biden, and from Karine Jean-Pierre as they mention this probably in a press briefing that's either happening now or later on this evening or tomorrow. But the fact that it was gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. It's the gun violence. We're going to bring the community together after gun violence. And it's all about the gun violence. Uh, wouldn't this be considered if it was a distressed and distraught previous uh, former worker of a bank who, looking at his background, you know, he was the superstar high school basketball guy. He uh, was had the financial degree. Everybody thought he was going to go big places. And then he gets let go of his job for whatever reason. I mean, if we wanted to play the same game, we could go down that road. But the Democrats, of course, are going right to the gun violence. Wouldn't this be considered some type of workplace violence? Why does it have to be gun violence? It was a distraught previous worker who obviously don't know his life story, don't know his mentality, don't know his thought process, which is a conversation we probably should get into at some point on understanding why someone felt like that was the alternative response to getting let go of a job was to go to the extreme to go and shoot up the place, feeling suicidal, meaning that while times may be tough, while he may have been freaking out about what to do in his financial situation, having been let go of his job, that was the only option that he concluded was a viable option was to go and shoot up the place. To be that at that level of desperation is a conversation to be had because while they yell and scream about gun violence, we could be talking about mental health issues, being in a depressed state, being in a suicidal state, wanting the opportunity to do something harmful like doing a shooting, 
But we could also, if we wanted to play that game, which we know we are above this, and we do not want to play that same stupid game of trying to blame something else other than the mentality of someone on why they would want to act a certain way, which is unfortunate, and God forbid we're seeing more and more of this every single day. If we wanted to play that same game, you know that we could probably throw out there that it's probably Joe Biden's fault. <laughs> All right? I mean, not to, I don't want to play that game, but this is how stupid. I want to use this as an example, not to go down the road and say this is the where we're going with it, but to make the argument of how dumb it is for them to come out and constantly berate the firearm as gun violence in a situation like this. If we were to come out and say... This is Joe Biden's fault because you've created an economy that is so bad that we have to work two or three jobs in order to sustain. And when we lose a job, we feel completely defeated because we have no way of taking care of ourselves, let alone the fact that he's working in a bank in a financial institution when we're seeing banks close up and fail left and right and probably cutting some of their staff. Now, he could have been let go because of the fact that he wasn't doing his job, that he wasn't doing a good enough job, that maybe they were just doing cutbacks, whatever. But why don't we? Why don't we just make the assumption, again, being in this stupid type of argument that the Democrats like to use, let's just use this as the assumption that it was a bank that was struggling because of the current economic situation in the country, doing layoffs, and laid off the superstar of the small town community of Louisville, Kentucky, where he was let go, he was the basketball star in high school, he was supposed to go places. Everybody loved him, and he got let go from that job when he was supposed to be the icon of the community. He couldn't handle it, and he went back in to retaliate. It's all Joe Biden's fault and the Democrats' fault for an economic situation that we're in. Can we play that card? No, because it's stupid. Because at the end of the day, people get fired. People go get let go of jobs. People have to be just because of the company's downsizing because they weren't doing their job, because of certain layoffs, whatever the situation was, it doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form. It comes down to the fact that he did not know as an individual how to handle whatever personal crap was going on through his life, and that was the result that he came out with that he thought was a rational approach to the response of this situation. And that needs to be the conversation from both sides of the aisle on what to make, what to do to address that issue to make sure people aren't going to that conclusion that quickly by being put in a tough situation that's the conversation that needs to be had here but it's not because you just heard from the mayor gun violence gun violence it was gun violence another thing of gun violence all the media of course is reporting the fact that it was an ar-15 that he was using so of course that's on the totem pole now to be on the chopping block from the Biden administration, which means you know within the next day or two, Kareem Jean-Pierre and the in the Biden administration will be coming out with some type of executive action to go after the AR-15, advocating for the banning of AR-15s and quote-unquote weapons of war and assault weapons or whatever other crap and terminology they want to use because that's all they know how to do because they can't, again, look past the front of their nose and have a deeper conversation of why someone's doing what they're doing. Regarding those that are in the hospital including law enforcement, the police department also had an update. Tommy Elliott, 63 years of age. Jim Tut, 64 years of age. Josh Barrett, 40 years of age. And Juliana Farmer, 57. We have a total of nine victims who were treated and are being treated at University of Louisville Hospital. Three, which are in critical condition, including our officer. Three, who are listed in non-critical condition, 
and three who have been treated and released. We're going to give the names of those victims, not going to give the name of the perpetrator, but there was a wild story that was given by the police as well regarding one of the officers who just came out of training. The two officers who struck an exchange of gunfire, one of the officers, he was grazed to the left side, and the other officer suffered minor injuries to the elbow. I just want to let everyone know that the officer who is in critical condition today, Officer Nicholas Wilt, 26 years of age, just graduated from the police academy on March 31st. I just swore him in and his family was there to witness his journey to become a police officer. He was struck in the head, engaged in this incident. Nick has come out of brain surgery and is in critical but stable condition as we speak. I've been down there with the family and given my love and support. Been with all the families today to show our love and support for them. And if anything else that they need from LMPD, we will provide that. Wow. Thoughts and prayers to the families that were involved and to the families that were impacted, and especially for the law enforcement who did not hesitate, again, to engage these individuals, these radical nuts who have been sheltered, the bubble-wrapped lifestyle, the helicopter parenting, the mental instability, whatever situation has caused this individual to snap because he lost his job. We pray and we thank to the law enforcement that responded to this so quickly to make sure this guy did not harm anybody else, even with their own lives in peril. It's the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. What's up? Welcome in for a Monday, your post-Easter celebration, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. There's so many different directions we could go with this conversation because it's unfortunate that it continues to happen. We know the direction we're going to see from the left side of the aisle. And while we continue to bang our head against the wall, we continue to get frustrated. We roll our eyes with the ridiculously stupid conversation. It's not going to go away until we address the actual serious issue of the day, which is why people feel the need that that's the extreme they have to go to when they feel that backed into a corner. I don't know if you've ever experienced true depression. I've seen a lot of individuals actually go through different bouts of depression, unfortunately, and the medication that they have to take or just the feeling of feeling helpless and the dark shadow that hovers over them, that heavy weight that goes over them to where they feel there's no other option. The only option is to end it, which is... Completely untrue. Completely, and the best advice I've ever told was everything in life, every single thing in life is temporary, good and bad. Enjoy the good while it's there and learn the lesson, the bad when it's there as well. Because the bad is, ha- it's at least from the teaching that I believe and that I like from the uh, uh, the universe of, you know, there's equality and there's balance and harmony in the verse, the good and the bad, the yin and the yang, whatever you want to believe there, is that everything is temporary, everything is uh, only there for a short time. Nothing is permanent. So enjoy the good while it lasts and try and learn the lessons from the bad to where you can limit the amount of times that that actually happens to you. That's all you can do and you continue to live life. And that's why I'm always the cheery hoorah, go rah kind of guy because nothing lasts forever. So what drives someone to 
get to that level of desperation, whether it's because they're angry because they lost their job. So you could get into a psychology level of anger or jealousy or rage or envy or depression or whatever the case is. Why are we not having those conversations? Why are those not the first in mind? Instead, we have the mayor of Louisville talking about gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. It's not gun violence if it's someone who's going to do retribution to someplace that he already knows. I mean, like, technically it's gun violence, but that's not like going into a random grocery store and shooting up the place because you just want to see bad things happen to random people. He did it with intent because it was retaliation for being let go of a job, period, end of story. Now, the other part to consider here is how convoluted that is when you live stream it on social media, which is apparently what he did with his Instagram page, where he walked into the place with a live stream that supposedly, now the page has been blocked and deleted now and been taken away to where we cannot see it, but apparently he had the live stream during the entire scenario, all the way up to being shot by law enforcement, and law enforcement coming up and searching the body where you can see and hear everything everything to that point. That's according to MSN.com with the latest story regarding that incident. But the social media aspect is quite interesting as well. Because as you know... There's such a weird government lock on social media. You can't play certain songs on social media without copyrights coming down and hitting you. You can't post a certain memes on there because you're a radical domestic terrorist, a.k.a. a MAGA Republican, a conservative. You're touting your guns in your Bible. You're supporting the Second Amendment. You're having freedom of speech. You're a quote-unquote election denier. You're a Donald Trump supporter, quote-unquote. You can't mention those things without your page getting censored, but you can apparently live stream an entire mass shooting event where you walk into a place and shoot it up all the way to the point where law enforcement has already taken you out. So I don't know how long that was, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, and it streamed the entire time. Social media, not a word, not a thing, allowed it to happen the entire time. There were the clues and hints, which are obviously very difficult for some to, for him to say that he was very suicidal, that he was going to make a bang. He was going to, he posted some weird stuff on his social media. All of those are nice little hints and little nuggets and little breadcrumbs of what he could potentially do, but no one ever thinks the worst of that they're actually going to go do something that is wild is that but while we're debating TikTok, while we're debating certain social media that's allowed and not allowed on our phones and what we're allowed to post because we're an extremist spreading quote unquote misinformation about guns or about Trump or about the elections or about COVID-19 or whatever else that we got blocked for, you could apparently live stream and do a mass shooting and not have a problem with it. Well done, government, allowing it to happen, probably again for another political agenda to try and this ban the firearm. The voice of reason. With Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, it's flying right on by. We can go so many directions and spend so much time on this issue. We'll have some more updates regarding the shooting in Louisville, Kentucky in just a little bit. As of right now, as we said, four individuals dead, five including the shooter, plus many more in the hospital as well, including law enforcement who stepped up, who ended the crazy individual who thought that being fired from his job apparently was rationale enough to go and retaliate by firing into the facility. However, of course, the messaging that we're seeing from local officials, of course, gun violence, gun violence, use an AR-15, go after the gun, which is unfortunate because we're never going to solve the issue until we have a deeper 
conversation about those. We'll get into that just a little bit later again as well. But first, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get into what's trending on the day. What's trending today? This is a hot topical issue right now because, as you know, we're trying to figure out a lot of, I guess, identity politics in society. And you know how I feel about identity politics. I think the the concept of identity politics, dividing and conquering, dividing one another is one of the worst ways that we're going to fall and crumble as a society because we've boxed each other into certain boxes of identity politics. And if you check certain boxes, if you do certain things, that's just the way society is today. And it's bothersome. Obviously, the latest coming out with the the Bud Light issue. But how do we solve this? How do we end this? The resegregating that I'm worried that we're going down a road of, the division of divide and conquer based on the identity politics and the boxes that we put ourselves in. To talk about some of the same more on how college campuses are handling this issue and the lack of conversation that we're allowed to have, excited to have on the program. She's the faculty director for the Office of Equity, Social Justice, and Multicultural Education with De Anza Community College. It's Dr. Tavia Lee on the line with us here. Doctor, how are you, my friend? Great. How are you doing today? I am living the dream, and I appreciate you coming on the program very, very much. What an interesting uh, conversation to be having today because it is – It do you see us going down that road of this divide and conquer? Let's put everybody in a certain box to where you're just assumed to think this way, to vote this way, to live your life a certain way based on the check boxes that you have on your identities. Unfortunately, you know, in uh, higher education spaces and K-12 through spaces where a critical social justice ideology is being used, that's definitely what we're seeing time and time again. And it's so different, uh, Andy, than, you know, a classical social justice approach, uh, which is the one that most of us are familiar with when we think of, of that term. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about your experience and what you've gone through, because obviously this is uh, where a lot of this is stemming from with the higher education and with you trying to teach on the history of this issue and uh, certain groups of individuals who have been treated certain ways throughout history and how we can learn from it to make sure we don't do it again and how we can all get on a playing field equally and we can move forward happily together, singing, you know, singing Kumbaya and holding hands, which is the main goal, I think, at the end of the day. Right, or if not that, you know, at least just uh, some basic understanding, right, where we have places where everyone feels like, you know, they can uh, share their perspective and opinion and, Mm. you know, where people aren't afraid, um, as many of my colleagues, you know, at De Anza right now are, um, because there's a small but vocal group of critical social justice, you know, proponents uh, who shut down any attempts uh, to, you know, um, talk about a different perspective or a different way of doing the work. Um, and, and what's often found is if you're working from a more classical perspective, um, you know, folks will, and you're not promoting these identity boxes and, um, you know, everyone marching in line with, with which box they, are, they check or that they're assigned to, um, then, then people, you know, get into environments where they feel afraid to, to say anything because they might be accused of being a racist or being transphobic or being any of the, you know, things that no one wants to be accused of being. Yeah, it's unfortunate. How did we get to that point? Where did this mindset come from, like you said, of these social justice warriors of either you go along with the radicalism that we're promoting or else you're part of the problem? Where did this stem from? You know, unfortunately, Andy, I think that there's been uh, some problems with our teacher education programs and teacher education colleges. Um, We definitely see 
a uh, bent in a lot of those programs. Um, it hasn't been named, but luckily, you know, myself and some other scholars are now starting, you know, to name this and say, you know, this is what we're looking at. It's critical social justice ideology. Um, and they've just quietly kind of uh, usurped a lot of teacher education programs and, you know, teachers become trained in a certain way and you believe what your training says, right? And so then you go out and you do what you've learned to, to be an effective teacher. That's what you've been taught to do. Um, and we definitely need some diversity viewpoint in terms of these teacher education programs because it's not happening just at higher ed. It's in K through 12. All the, you know, teacher education programs throughout the nation. It's not just a California thing even. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we need to start taking a look at um, so that we do have some diversity of viewpoint there. And people know, you know, there's many ways to teach, not just one. Um, and, you know, you can have a different perspective. You don't have to do it in, in just the way that some activists are trying to, you know, tell you you should be teaching. Yeah. Uh, what's the best way, in your opinion, for what you've seen and how you've been attacked personally and from the experiences that you've seen how do we counter some of those radical activists? I had a conversation over the weekend uh, on social media, for example, like the Bud Light cans, where now they're putting the rainbows on there for the whatever individual, I can't remember their name now, uh, on the LGBTQ pride stuff, which I made the comment of, I don't care. I mean, good for them. I don't care what their gender affiliation is or their sexual orientation is. I, I really don't care. And it's harmful for businesses, in my opinion, to be marginalizing themselves and marginalizing their clientele. It's a beer company. You want to sell beer to everybody, regardless of how they feel or live their life in some way, shape, or form. It's harmful because now we see rednecks and hillbillies and whoever else protesting against Bud Light, and we see the LGBTQ community buying Bud Light, and now you've marginalized your clientele base. That was the point I was making, and their response was, well, you don't care because you just hate this group. And like you said, it's the radical either get on board with it and think everybody's wonderful and courageous, or else you're part of the problem. How do you combat something like that? Well, I think that, you know, people uh, across the spectrum are starting to speak with their with their dollars, right? And they're starting to, um, when businesses are adopting these types of toxic practices, um, they're starting to speak by walking away to other brands. Um, and, and perhaps that w that's really what needs to happen, uh, not just in the business sector, but in the education sector. Mm. I think the more we start to see what these schools and businesses are doing and talking about and promoting, people will become awakened to what's happening around them, and hopefully they'll start to use their feet to take their, you know, business or their educational search to another place uh, that's not promoting toxic ideologies. Um, we've seen some backlash. Uh, there's been customers lost, right, in terms of um, different companies who've been doing the really woke advertising um, and I think now that we're starting to even shine a light on what's happening in schools, you know, people are going to uh, look and say, I don't want my child to be subjected to that. Uh, there was just recently this weekend, but not this weekend, but last week, uh, Riley Gaines went to um, San Francisco State University and, and she was chased and held hostage <laughs> um, after giving a speech. And so, you know, and people see that and they're, and they're going to say, you know, I don't really want my child to go to a school that treats people that way, whether I agree with those people or not. You know, that's just not a civil way to act. So I think the more we keep shining a light and raising awareness, people are going to make different decisions um, and, and to, to protect, you know, um, their children and their values. Uh, and that's across the spectrum. It's not just one side or the other. I think, you know, all over the board, 
we're starting to go, hmm, something's just not quite right here. Yeah, well, it's not right. You're right. I mean, we're seeing an economic resegregation in society. We see now the LGBTQ community want to buy Bud Light cans while Christian conservatives are out buying Chick-fil-A while others are protesting it. And you're right. It's going to go down to the educational level, which I'm hoping that when uh, companies end up getting a big hit or even universities or or even public education starts getting a hit with, with parents saying, I'm not going to take my kids there because this is insanity, we could start correcting that path because if we separate and segregate economically whether it's through higher education whether it's through businesses and products that we buy i mean that's essentially a silent civil war in the country isn't it mm-hmm. yes and it's definitely a, an attack on classical liberalism in, in every way possible yeah. um you know this this radical ideology uh, that's being pushed in so many spaces um i'm just so happy, Andy, that, that, that folks are starting to learn and name these things so they can start asking some questions of their school boards, you know, of their boards of trustees, uh, of the educational leaders, you know, um, who are guiding these changes so often. Um, now we can start naming it and saying, you know, is this a critical social justice approach that we're talking about? Or are we going to take a more classical approach here, for example? Um, and if parents want a more classical approach, they can start saying that and saying what they object to, you know, the division, the segregation, these affinity groups that put people, you know, away from each other um, where we can't identify common points because you have to stick with your tribe or your group that you're assigned or that someone assigns you to. Uh, so all of those things are happening in so many spaces. And the more people become aware of it and start demanding change from these the educational leaders who are basically making it happen, um, I think that's going to be very helpful. And I know so many folks are working and they're busy and, you know, they don't have a lot of time to do those things. But uh, I think once we see the, the, what's at stake, uh, some people are going to start making some time and saying, you know, enough is enough. Uh, I, I need to know that, you know, my child or my kids are safe, you know, uh, when they're going to school and that they're being exposed to multiple perspectives and not being indoctrinated, you know, into just one ideology. I'm right there with you. Dr. Tabia Lee with De Anza Community College out of the great state of California. We got just about a minute or so left here as we kind of wrap things up. But are you seeing students that are starting to speak out as well? Obviously, adults are getting frustrated with this, but are students recognizing the craziness and trying to fight against this as well, do you think? Oh, yes. Uh, students, uh, you know, I've done some student education programs here um, to just help students understand when they're, you know, uh, sitting in a classroom and statements that teachers may make that are, you know, forms of indoctrination. I've been doing a lot of work around that, and I think the more we we do that and and teach students about that, the more they can advocate for themselves, you know, and and for a fair learning environment. And I'm definitely seeing student interest go up and students being able to identify when an ideology is at work um, and then to advocate for themselves and say, you know, I, I really want some balance here, you know, not just one perspective. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I, I'm hoping that the younger generations coming up are watching us and saying, wow, you guys are really messed up. We're going to do things a little bit differently because you guys are crazy and you're just so angry all the time bickering amongst each other. It's Dr. Tabia Lee, the DeAnza Community College. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on the program. What a fascinating conversation. we got to get you back on again here real soon. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it very much. Here he goes. All right, we'll break that down when we come back. One more segment left as we wrap up today for a Monday here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. John Ryder, welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show for a Monday, the post-Easter celebration. Hopefully you had a wonderful Easter celebration. If you're Orthodox Christian, then you're celebrating, what, like now? 
And don't take offense because I just, I don't know. I think it's this week. It's like a week behind, right? So it would be next week for the Easter celebration if you celebrate it then. Uh, however you celebrate it or whether you celebrate it at all, then happy Easter, happy spring solstice or equinox or <laughs> whatever else. I don't know. Happy Monday. Let's get the ball rolling for another week. Thank you. Thanks again to Dr. Tabia Lee coming on the program, DeAnza Community College. As we talk about, I didn't get a chance to ask her about the equity. I should have held her on for another segment. I wanted to ask her on what in the world equity actually means, but it's a great conversation ahead. As she said, the classical conversation about these issues when it comes to the uh, segregation, when it comes to certain identity politics, because as you know how much I absolutely despise and hate identity politics. And I did. I had that conversation over the weekend with a former high school classmate who's in California and very on the activist progressive side where I made the comment regarding the Bud Light issue I just don't care. And I made the comment, which did not make her happy at all, is that the fact that she's like, oh, I'm so proud of whatever. Is it Dylan, I think, whoever's doing the transition? And I use that in air quotes, transition, where Bud Light's like, oh, yeah, let's put a rainbow on the cans and marginalizing half of their uh, drinking base in some way, shape or form. Uh, where, by the way, the CEO of the company has come out and said that they just a- appeal to frat boys and we have to re-image the frat boys to accept the LGBTQ. So we have to continue to bump up our sales on that demographic when, as far as I'm aware, that's not the demographic that drinks Bud Light. I'm sure it does to a degree. But nowadays, talking to the younger generation that's in college now, I was one of the last generations that enjoyed the really cheap beers on a college party night with the Coors or the Bud or the Natty Light. And yes, I still have a case of Natty Light in my fridge at home. Or uh, Tecate, which I love Tecate. Uh, personally, I think that's fantastic. Some Mexican beer. Uh, whatever it is, but the cheap beer where you just drink a larger consumption of that. I, at least the ones that I talk to now in college, they don't do that. They're more about instead of getting a case of really cheap uh, beer like that, they're about getting a six-pack of a microbrew. And they're into the more, a little bit more, quote unquote, elite beers that I'm struggling to get into because that's just hasn't been my style growing up. But the majority of the college kids that I'm aware of go for the micro brews and let's have a little bit heavier beer and let's taste this thing and let's have a six pack of that as opposed to a wild case of Bud Light or Coors Light or something of that sort, uh, where it's the good old boys that are out having a barbecue in their backyard that are drinking the Bud Light. And if that's the case, then try and win over them with a political stance of an LGBTQ rainbow on the can. It's not going to work very well. Now, I think it's really stupid, and let me clarify as well, that those that are out there buying the case to put on video how they're protesting the case to shoot it up like Kid Rock did or other individuals are doing how they're trying to uh, protest by buying the case of beer and then videotape how badly they hate it. I'm not quite sure how that's helping the cause because you're still supporting the company by buying the beer. So... Just make the post of, I'm not going to purchase this product any longer if that's what you choose to do, because that's really, really stupid. I did make the comment to the individual over the weekend, though, that you cannot transition. It's physically, realistically, logically impossible to transition. You can manipulate your body. You can dress a certain way. You can act a certain way. You can do certain things with characteristics, but you cannot actually change your physical body to become a female you do not have a internal female part you cannot get pregnant and in a hundred years when or a thousand years when archaeologists are looking at your body they will not be like oh wow this person was able to transition they had these chromosomes now they have these chromosomes it doesn't it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way you will always be that gender it's whether you just 
accept it or not. And I wonder, and this really brings up another question that we don't have time to get into today, but you remember a few years ago during the whole obesity issue, and especially Democrats being like, stop fat shaming individuals, just be proud of who you are, don't try to change for society, don't try and morph into society's demands or society's needs, don't change yourself, be proud of who you are, no matter who you are. Remember that movement, especially for the obesity movement? Where did that go? Because if an individual's feeling uncomfortable with who they are because they don't feel that way, shouldn't the same thing apply of just be proud of who you are, be happy of who you are, accept who you are, and don't try to change for the attention of society? But it's gone from that to change everything about you, and then society will applaud you and call you courageous. I find that kind of strange. And businesses that are going along with it, shame on you because you're just making a buck off idiots that are getting on board with it when you really don't give a crap about the movement in any way, shape, or form that we've proven with woke, quote-unquote, businesses time and time again. So again, progressives, I hope you feel proud because you've been fueled once again by being taken advantage of and purchasing products for their profit when they don't give a crap about you. That's my spiel for the day. That does it today. Back at it again on Tuesday. Podcast up in a little bit. Be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.